0: Hey, everybody, this is Brent Kellogg, the pastor of Hillspring Church in Sand Springs, Oklahoma. And this is our podcast. Thanks for taking time to join us today. Our prayer is that this would inspire you, build your faith, and help you take the next step in Christ. Enjoy the message. We're in the middle of a series that we called Open Doors, and this really comes out of the book of Revelations. Revelation chapter 3 says it like this I've placed before you, this is God. He says, I've placed before you an open door that no one can shut. In the Old Testament, God has his chosen people. They're called the Israelites. They were enslaved for many years, 400 plus years god's people were enslaved 400 years is longer than this country has been a country it's a very very long time and god sent his servant moses to go and free the people they were promised this amazing open door in their life they were promised that there was going to be a time where they would leave slavery and go into a place called the promised land a land flowing with milk and honey and all the different things that you would ever want in your life this amazing open door for them And so Moses led them out of slavery. And as they were being led out of slavery, it should have taken them 10 days to get to the promised land. But if you know the story, they started grumbling, they started complaining, and they got sidetracked. And instead of 10 days, it took them 40 years to get to their promised land. In fact, Moses himself didn't even get to go into the promised land. He just got to look at it. The Bible tells us that after Moses passed that they installed a new leader and his name was Joshua. And he was gonna be the one that would take them into the promised land. And so if you have your Bibles, we're gonna go to Joshua chapter six, and we're gonna talk about the story of Joshua leading the Israelites into the promised land. This huge open door that he gave the Israelites. Because here's what I believe about your life. There's open doors in your life that God wants to lead you into. But some of us in this room, we've got sidetracked. Some of us in this, in this room, God told us when we were a teenager that we were going to be in ministry, or that we were going to be a missionary, or that we were going to have a certain type of business. But we got sidetracked. My hope today is that we could get off of our that sidetrack and we could get back on the path that God has for us. Amen? Amen. Joshua chapter one or Joshua chapter six says it like this: Now the gates of Jericho were securely barred because of the Israelites. No one went out and no one came in. Let me set the stage here. They're leaving. They're going to the promised land. Out of that 40 years, they're leaving that behind. They're walking towards the promised land. They're crossing this mountain. They're going over it. And as they're coming down, they see this huge town called Jericho. And the biggest thing about Jericho was it was so fortified by these huge walls. So I'm walking to my promised land. I'm about to get there. And then I hit something. This huge intimidating force. A couple years ago, Many years ago, actually, I got my first car from Larry and Donna Moore. It was a 1988 Honda Prelude, all right? I don't know if anyone's ever seen one of those, but it was the most amazing car you could ever think of. And it really was, it was awesome. So it was like an all-wheel drive car. Like that thing would just spin around all the time. It had a stick shift. I wanna throw that in your face because a lot of you don't think I can even drive a stick shift. I can drive a stick shift, all right? And so it it was one of those type of cars. The thing about the Honda Prelude is it had 200,000 miles plus on that thing all right but it kept going if you know a honda that's just starting baby it's just it's good to go all right one of the things about it was you always had to add um some oil into the car and you know I don't want to do that and so I just kind of let that happen for a while and ended up I needed to get a new car after a while so i learned some incredible lessons from my Honda Prelude let me give you the first one probably the most important one that I hold even to this day and some of you guys need to adopt this in your own life when you're driving your 1988 Honda Prelude with 200,000 miles and it's making all these crazy sounds and there's steam and everything coming off of it here's what you need to learn right up front here it is I've told the students this you take the radio dial and you just turn that bad boy up right <laughs> You don't need to hear that negativity. You don't need that in your life. Just push past it. It doesn't matter, right? Just keep going, turn it up louder. That's what, that's what you do. And then I had to get a new car from that. And so what ended up happening, was I went and got another car. It was a 2000 Honda Civic. It was awesome. I loved it. it was, I, I, I drive Hondas, okay? So it was a good car, but same thing happened. It just started getting older. And so I decided I need to get a new car. And now I want to interject a new character into this story. And the character is my now wife, but was then my girlfriend, Cassie, because I have a lot of things I need to blame her on with this story, okay? So you need to understand where we're going here. So I'm getting a new car, and I'm looking around, and I don't like making big purchases. I don't like doing that kind of stuff, but my wife, she's 100 miles an hour no matter what. And so we're looking for cars for me, and I'm thinking, you know, maybe let's go to a dealership. Let's go try to find something. Well, she found something on Facebook, all right? That's, That's where she found this nice on car on Facebook, which seems super reputable, right? And so we decide we're gonna go and test drive this car. So we message the people and figure it out and they're actually they said, hey, let's meet at ORU. I thought, oh ORU, that's a Christian school. That'd be great. Let's let's try that. We get there and we meet the people and and, and they're Christians and they're in ministry and I'm like, man, this is a great, this is a great thing. I wanted like an SUV, but this was actually a smaller type of car. This was a honda hybrid it was built off of a battery basically and so i thought well that's not really what i wanted but but i mean it looks cool i kind of like the like the color all that kind of stuff and it's gonna be cheap on gas all this stuff so i thought man let's let's go for it these people are christians we're at oru god's obviously in all of this all right and so i i go and i end up buying the car and so I'm, it's, it's fine, we're driving the car around a little bit, and a couple days later, I'm driving down the highway. And, and just so you know, and I think you do know this, all of Tulsa traffic, none of them are saved, right? None of them have the Holy Ghost, they're all evil, they're all hell-bound, it's, it's, just, it's just bad, okay? And so I'm driving down the highway in Tulsa, and as I'm driving, this little light comes up on my dash. Now, I look at it and think, okay, this is what, I don't know what that is, and so on that car, you could press a button and it would show you what the what the light meant. And on that one, the light said, tire indicator, your tire is low. Okay. For some of you guys, when you see that, you pull over to the side, you you put a new tire on, or you go air it up. But let me just tell you, I grew up in the ghetto. Our tire indicator light was always on. That never stayed off. Like it was we never had enough air in our tires, all right? We drive that thing when the engine's smoking and on fire. That's that's what we did, okay, growing up. And so we're driving, and I see this tire indicator light come up, I'm thinking, man, this is. This is odd, but I don't, we'll just keep going. So I go home, park and everything. And then I get in the car later on that evening and I drive out again. And then that light comes back on. I think, okay, well, let me put air in this tire. And then another light comes on. I'm like, oh man, this is, this isn't good. And then I, I'm still driving. And by about three or four miles from my house, my dash looks like a Christmas tree with all these different lights, all right? It's just all these different kind of things. And, and I take it to my mechanic and come to find out that my engine was bad the batteries were gone. Like, I, I, I bought a lemon, is what, is what ended up happening. Again, just for reference sake, this was my wife's decision, all right? This is what she wanted. <laughs> bought the car, and for three, four years afterwards, I was sinking money into that car over and over and over. But see, at the beginning of it, I thought, man, this is a good open door. This is something I'd want. This is something I need. I, I, I want this car. I wanna, I wanna go forward with this. I think it's gonna be great. But here's my question for you today. What happens when you have an open door? What happens when you open that door and you end up hitting a wall? You know what I mean? What happens when you have this open door that you're so excited about, you go through that door and it's not what you expect. Because there's many open doors for all of us, but sometimes on the other side, isn't what we thought it would be. And so today for the next couple minutes, all I wanna talk about is what do you do when you get through your open door and you just run into the unexpected? When you run into a wall. Are you guys with me right now? So here we go. Number one, if you have your notes, we're just gonna write a couple things down. Number one, first thing you have to do is focus on the promise. Focus on the promise. Joshua chapter six, verse two says it like this. Then the Lord said to Joshua, see, I've delivered Jericho into your hands along with its kings and its fighting men. March around the city once with all the armed men. Do this for six days. Have seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. Verse five, when you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, have the whole army give a loud shout. Then the wall of the city, will collapse and the army will go up, Everyone straight in. That's a promise that God gave to Joshua right up front. And he told him what you're gonna do. When you look at the promised land that you're going to, before you get there, the Jericho is sitting right there, the walls of Jericho, that city of Jericho is right there. That's what's blocking you to getting into the promised land and here's how you defeat it. Again, the people they had watched for 40 years, the generation had died out and now they're going into the promised land. But the jericho the city of jericho is right in front of them just some just some kind of history about jericho the jericho walls were the strongest walls known to man at that period there were two walls actually that surrounded jericho they're 25 foot high wall and then another 26 foot high wall these walls were so thick that chariots and horses could ride around on the top of them all the time the israelites had to feel intimidated when they walked up to them they had to feel like this wasn't what they thought it would be God, you gave us an open door, but man, what is this in front of us? I thought you were gonna lead us, but why did you lead us up against a wall? That's what they had to have been thinking in our lives, in your life, in my life. We have different walls that we have to walk up against. We have different walls that are in front of us. There's opposition that the devil places so that you won't get to where God wants you to go. We all have Jerichos in our life. Right now, I want you to put in your mind, what is that Jericho in your life? What is that wall that you just seemingly can't get past? What is that thing that keeps holding you back? Maybe it's this idea that you're never going to have a good marriage. No matter how long you've been at it, your marriage isn't ever going to get better. Maybe that's the wall that you're never going to be able to overcome. Maybe it's this idea that you're never going to achieve anything, that you're always going to be the lowest person on the totem pole, that you're never going to get past. What is that Jericho in your life? What is that thing that's holding you back? And so when we talk about this, and when I said the first point was we have to focus on the promise. For church people, that's easy, right? We know, we know the word, we know the Bible. It's easy to to spout off, well, I know the plans that I have for you, saith the Lord, plans that prosper you. We know those verses. We know that Isaiah tells us that God walks behind us and telling us which way to go. We understand those, but here's what I've learned about church people, because this is my life. I know a lot of scripture, but I don't own a lot of scripture. I don't internalize a lot of the scripture. I can tell you, I can sit up here right now and tell you tons of scripture, but I can also tell you this, when I hit a wall, I get nervous. When I hit a wall, I get scared. When I hit a wall, I try to take control myself. It's because I can know the scripture, but not own the scripture inside of me. When you own the scripture, when you move it from just knowledge to your heart, It changes everything. All opposition turns into is just an opportunity for God's presence to be manifested in your situation. That's that's what it's about. And I love what he tells Joshua. The first part of this, he says, see, I've delivered Jericho into your hands along with his kings and his fighting men. This is what he's telling him. He's saying, you need to focus. What you're seeing right now is the wall. What you're seeing right now is Jericho. What you're seeing right now is all the stuff that you're not ever gonna get past, but what you need to understand is that wall, it's gonna come down. You don't need to be intimidated by that anymore. You need to see a victory. Not with your natural eyes, but eyes of faith. Some of you here today need to understand that whatever you're running up against right now, that fight that you've been fighting for years and years and years, you've just been succumbing to it, saying, hey, it's just what it is, but God wants you to understand today, there's a victory coming. By the way, it's not your own, it's it's God's. It's what he does. And I'm so excited for you guys to be here today because I want us to get past these walls in our life. I heard a pastor talk about this a couple years ago, and he he has in his room, in his his, uh, living room, what he calls a God box. And it's just like a little shoebox that he put the word God on, it's pretty great. And so what he does with that is he, he reminds himself of the scripture that says, cast your cares on the Lord. With all prayer and petition, give, give them to God. The, that, that scripture. And what he does is, he says, when I get anxious about something, I'm nervous about the walls in my life, whatever that looks like for you, what I end up doing is I take a piece of paper and I write on there what I'm nervous about. Maybe it's work. Maybe it's depression, maybe it's my marriage, maybe it's friendships, maybe it's, well, whatever it looks like. I write it on there and then I go to my God box and I drop it in there and I leave it with the Lord because now it's in God's hands. But the discipline is whenever you're like me and you have to control everything, when you start getting anxious about your marriage, when you start getting anxious about your job or whatever you put in that box, He says, when you start getting there and you start trying to take control of it, what you have to do is walk over to that God box, take out that prayer request and say, God, it's not in your hands anymore, it's in mine. Changes perspectives, right? It changes the way you think of your problems and what you're working through. Number two, let's keep going. Number two, this is the thing I wanna do. We gotta, we do not despise the process in our life. Now, let me just tell you right up front. I'm a very big hypocrite right now because I hate, I hate process. More than anything, I hate process. Like I want it done now. I want it done fast. I want to get through it. I want it to be done quickly, but don't you understand and don't you know that some of the best things in life you have to wait for, you have to work through. And so here, here's here's what I think. So we all have one of these hopefully in our house and you open this bad boy up. And so this is how I'd say it. We all want this version of life, the complete version of life. We all want this part. We want. This version, the completed product, because this is easy, this is, we, have, we have arrived, we're there, this is what we need, this is what we want, but if you're honest, that doesn't just happen, right? So you actually have to take it out of this container, put it in the little microwave, close the door. How long do you guys do popcorn for? I'm going two minutes, I don't know what you guys do. If we catch fire, you love Jesus. So here's the thing. I want this. But to get this, you have to have this. You have to have the process. I don't know if you like me, but I go on these huge rabbit trails on Google and Wikipedia, and I started learning what makes popcorn pop. I don't know why I felt like doing that. I have a lot of time, I guess, in my life. But I was reading about it. And what it is is as heat builds, pressure exceeds the strength of the kernel and expands. It ruptures the seam inside the kernel, makes it um, explode, and it takes solid form. Okay, some of you guys are super nerds and you're going to tell me how wrong I am. I don't care. So, um, but, but the idea behind all of this is that heat causes pressure. That heat causes pressure. So, so many times I've had people walk up to me and say, well, Matt, God's given me a word from the Lord, so I need to come up here and preach. Well, Matt, don't you see my talent? Don't you see what I can offer the church? And my question always to them is, then who are you serving? Because you need to know this, to get on this stage, it isn't, just, it isn't just an easy thing. I became a youth pastor. I'm running about 10 years here now. All right, but here's what you need to understand. About seven years before that, I was sweeping the pole barn out every single Wednesday night and every single Sunday. It's a process that you go through, but we hate the process, right? The process isn't easy, but it's the process, the pressure, the heat that causes those popping sounds, that causes the thing to start working, that causes the final product. You want to have God work in your life? You have to run through the process. So as it's going, and I think it's catching fire right now and that's okay, you need to understand, don't skip the process. Joshua chapter one, and some of you guys are going to get so annoyed by this, okay? Some of you guys are like me like this, so five, four, three, two, one. I don't like to hear that little beeping sound, right? We don't, we don't, we don't do that, okay? Question though, don't skip the process, because this is what makes us better. This is what helps us. This is what does, this is what gets us to where God wants us to go, because here's what you need to know. God doesn't care about your talent look right here i want you to get this real fast god doesn't care about your talent so you can sing awesome so you can preach really great maybe you're a great leader but you need to understand this god cares about character more than he cares about talent because god can do anything god doesn't need you but he will use you all right so it's not talent it's character it's moving through process that matters Until we got teenagers in the room. <laughs> Joshua chapter one says like this: After the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun. What's that, Sarah? There, Moses's. It didn't say Moses is next in line. It didn't say Moses heir apparent. It Moses assistant. Who are you serving? Who are you working through? Because you need to know God. God could have destroyed those walls easily. God could have flattened those walls with just wind. It doesn't need anything, but it was about the process. And by the way, that's good for you and I, because if we just get everything we want, you know what we turn into? Selfish, prideful, angry human beings. It's the process that beats that stuff out of us. It's the process of going through the heat and the pressure and the pain of life. It's that process that tears the way pride from ourselves tears away that selfish ambition from ourselves, that jealousy. That so many people say, Matt, why don't, Matt, do you really wanna work with teenagers the rest of your life? Matt? Do, like, why don't you go start your own church? Why, why don't you, why don't you go, why don't you, don't you wanna be a lead pastor somewhere? And here's what I know about my own life. I'm here. And I'm gonna be here. And you can fire me, but I'm gonna still be here. Because this is, this is my church. It's been my church since 2003. This church changed my life and it helped me get into my process. And it helped me to get to where I wanna be. Sure, sure, maybe, maybe we could find something else. I've had other churches say, hey Matt, I, I wanna hire you on, uh, get that. But that's not my process. My process is Hillspring Church with you and me warring for a community Believing more for student ministry. Believing that even though your marriage is broken, God can fix it through community. Believing that the most important thing we do is gather here on a Sunday morning to worship together because the body needs each other. Believing that there are kids in Arizona that Pastor Will's leading a mission trip to that need you and need me. This is the process for me. Don't skip your process. And here's the last one, we're gonna be done here. Number three we got to move forward with purpose. The first part of it, remember your promises. Second part of it was don't despise the process. And the third was move forward with purpose. Joshua chapter 6, verse 6 says it like this. So Joshua, son of Nun, summoned the priests and said to them, take up the Ark of the Covenant and have seven priests carry seven ram's horns in front of the Ark of the Lord. Seven is the perfect number, holy number, heavenly number. There's, there's some symbolism right in all this. Verse 7, he said to the troops, move forward. Move forward. Someone just today needs to hear that. Move forward. You're stuck in the back. You're stuck holding on to a relationship that's broken that you don't need to hold on to anymore. You're stuck sitting in this situation because you don't feel good enough about yourself. You feel so unworthy. And so you just sit in these situations and let people take advantage of you, advantage of you. And you need to hear today, move forward that was free let's keep going he said to the troops move forward march around the city and have the armed men go ahead of the ark of the lord verse eight after joshua had spoken to the troops seven priests carrying seven ram's horns before the lord moved forward and blew the ram's horn the ark of the lord's covenant followed them verse nine while the ram's horns were blowing the armed men went in front of the priests and blew the ram's horns and the rear guard went behind the ark burst but joshua commanded the troops do not shout don't let your voice be heard don't let one word come out of your mouth until the time I say shout, then you are to shout. Some of you, you're in the middle of people saying bad things about you, criticizing you, causing rumors about you, and the hardest thing in the world to do is this right here. Don't shout, don't let your voice be heard, don't let one word come out of your mouth until the time I say shout. This is what he's telling Joshua. The victory is not yours, it's mine. Jesus, in this trial, in front of the high priests, they're accusing him and laughing at him, mocking him and spitting on him. What did Jesus do? He kept quiet. He says one thing in that whole thing. He says one word of truth and that one word of truth knocked the whole group down. Stay quiet and let the Lord take care of your problem. Verse 11, so the ark of the Lord was carried around the, cir- the city, circling at once. They returned to the camp and spent the night there. Joshua got up early the next morning. The priest took the Ark of the Lord and the seven priests carrying seven ram horns marched in front of the Ark of the Lord. While the ram's horns were blowing, the ark, the armed men went in front of them and the rear guard went behind the Ark of the Lord. On the second day, they marched around the city once and returned to the camp. They did this for six days. See, day one, that has to be easy. Day one, we're gonna march. That's what we're gonna do. Day one, let's march. Let's get around the city, let's circle it. We're good. Day one, that's fine. We'll, we'll, we'll circle. Oh, we need a circle. Day two, yeah, okay, I'll, we'll do it, we'll try. Day two, let's go again, let's go again. Day three, are we still doing this? Circle again. Day four, day five. I don't know if you're like me or not. By day two, day three, I'm sitting there thinking, what are we doing? Like God, you said that we're gonna, we have victory over this town, we have victory over this city, we have victory over this huge area called Jericho, but you're sending in the band? That's what you're doing? Like, I love our worship team, but I promise you this, I could take all of them, right? I mean, like, that's that's nothing. Especially Pastor Joe. And so, think think about this moment where they're circling, they're circling. Nothing's changing. Some of you guys are there right now. God told you to do something. God's given you a word. God's given you a promise. And you're just circling. God, you told me to give, but I don't see anything changing in my life. God, you told me to pray, but I've been praying, and it feels like it's just hitting, hitting the roof. It doesn't feel like you're hearing any of it. God, you told me I need to fast and pray. So I'm fasting and praying, but God, nothing's changing. God, you said that if I would pray for healing, you would bring healing, because your word tells us that by your stripes we're healed, but I'm not healed yet. God, you're circling. When you're circling, and you're circling. So, what do you do when your life feels like it's just moving in circles, over and over and over, and nothing's changing? Here's here's what I would tell you, just what the Word of God just said right there: Keep moving forward. Keep circling. Keep marching. Keep going. And so the people that I love to be around are the people that are still circling that promise that God's given. The people that say, man, even though I don't feel it changing, I'm going to still go to church. Even though I don't feel like I'm connected anywhere, I'm going to get out of my own comfort zone and I'm going to go find some people to know. Even though I don't feel like, God, you're doing anything, I'm going to still keep giving because if I give, even though I don't see it with my natural eyes, I know you're doing something in my situation. God, no matter what's happening, I'm going to keep circling, even if it feels foolish. I'm going to keep going. This is what he's saying. Keep moving. You think the people of Jericho were just laughing, right? I mean, they're sitting there with their army and their people and they see the Israelites just circling the wall over and over and over. There are going to be people in your life that all they're going to do is make fun of you and make fun of the things that God's called you to do. And so they're going to sit there and say, well, man, why is that church going to Arizona every summer? What's the point of that? Like, don't they know we have people in San Springs that need help? Why are they having to go out of the state to do that? Don't they know they can help people here? Or let's say it like, let's say it like this. Well, that youth program, man, they're, they're starting to get big, but have you seen what the girls wear when they come to church? We need to give them a dress code. Oh my gosh, that can't be God's hand in the middle of all that. Do you see what their workers do? My gosh, they're annoying. They act like kids themselves. Like that's, that's, That's people making fun of your vision, people making fun of your promise. And I love what it keeps saying here. Joshua chapter six, verse 15. Are you guys still with me right now? Early on the seventh day, this part gets me so fired up. Early on the seventh day, they started at dawn and they marched around the city seven times in the same way. That was the only day they marched around the city seven times. And after the seventh time, the priest blew the ram's horn and Joshua said to the troops, shout for the Lord has given you victory. They've been silent this whole time. And the one thing they say is shout for God's given you the victory. You didn't get the victory, God gave you the victory. So let's shout for what God's going to do. Verse 20, it says, so the troops shouted and the ram's horns sounded. When they heard the blast of the ram's horn, the troops gave a great shout and the wall, what does that say? That wall collapse. Here's what you need to know. It doesn't matter what foundations there. It doesn't matter what they built into it. It doesn't matter what human design has went into it. When God says it's time to come down, it comes down. Not when you say it, not when I say it, but when God's presence says it's time, it's over, those walls in your life, they're going to fall. Those walls of depression and anxiety and stress will fall. Troops advanced into the city, each man straight ahead, and they captured the city. Joshua had them circling, 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 because he remembered the promise. The promise in Joshua chapter one, where God tells Joshua, hey, wherever your feet step foot into, that's your land. I want you to hear that for you too, because the promise of God are yes and amen for you as well. And Jesus said that the church, you and I, not a building, but you and I, where we step foot at, we're gonna gain ground. Don't fall into this idea of cynicism that the news puts out there that this world is completely broken and completely gone and that there's no hope. Because if the church is still alive, if you're still breathing in air, the Bible tells us that even the gates of hell could not overcome it. That you and I, we have hope that every step we take, God's about to bring us victory. That even though you have friends in your school system that you don't think are ever going to get saved, God's about to bring victory into that world. We have hope. We also have peace there. Here's what I want you to hear. When it feels like it's not working, when it feels like all you're doing is walking around in circles, when it feels like it's not going to get better, keep circling. Keep walking. When it feels like your marriage is never gonna get better, keep circling. When it feels like your finances are never gonna get better, keep circling. When it feels like everything around you is falling apart, keep circling. When it feels like you've been taken advantage of so many times that you don't trust anyone else, keep circling. When it feels like that girl broke up with you and you can never find any kind of hope or peace after that, you're always just depressed, keep circling. Whenever it feels like no one trusts you, no one loves you, and no one cares about you, keep circling because the promise of this story is that the walls will come down and you will have a victory. I dare someone in this room to give God a shout of praise for a victory that's about to come into their life that God's about to show up and he's about to bring some walls down. I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If you did, there's a couple of things I want to invite you to do. First, hit the subscribe button. That way you won't miss a single episode. Secondly, if this message has impacted you and you would like to help us reach others, visit our website at hillspring.tv and hit the give now button so that we can take this message around the globe. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time.